0: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to Invest 11 a.m. series on material, building material and home improvement uh, with focus on as and disruptors uh, in a post-COVID world. Uh, today we have with us Mr. Rishabh Agarwal, uh, Director of Responsive Industries. Uh, uh, responsive Industries is India's largest producer of vinyl flooring. Uh, to us, after COVID, the key buzzword uh, what we can think of is hygiene and what we find is responsive industries. Uh, is very well-placed to explain and read this opportunity uh, as soft flooring finds way into LVT or ceramic terrace uh, going forward. Uh, just to give a global perspective, uh, LVT as a segment uh, has been growing pretty rapidly. Uh, it's the fastest growing segment in US and in India it's at a very nascent stage. So the macro prospects look very solid uh, when it comes to responsive uh, product offering. Absolutely, Ritesh. My pleasure. Great. Uh, So, I'll just start uh, with uh, some comments, opening remarks from you uh, specifically with respect to the company. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: If I can request you to brief uh, about the company's product offerings uh, and what it actually means on the revenue mix and if you can help with some uh, details on your exports to domestic uh, sales mix and B2B, B2C, uh, that would be a good starting point. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Ritesh, and welcome everybody. Um, So in terms of responsive industries, uh, you know we are the largest manufacturers of vinyl flooring in India, and we have a track record of more than 30 years in the vinyl flooring business. So you know we are recognized as you know top five globally, and we compete with some very established brands, and that is on the back of our product portfolio. So. The product portfolio is largely divided into two segments: vinyl flooring. What we say by vinyl flooring is in rolls, right? So vinyl flooring or what we call contract shaped vinyl, and the second category would be LVT slash SPC, which means luxury vinyl tile or stone plastic composite. The simple way to think about it is that one category tends to be in rolls or carpets, the other tends to be in tile and plank form, right? So it's largely divided into two these these two broad categories. Now. Even within the categories, if you consider vinyl flooring, we produce the entire gambit of different specifications under one roof, which is homogeneous, heterogeneous, sports flooring, safety, conductive, anti-static, acoustic, and a bunch of other specialty vinyl flooring as well. So, this finds its application areas in healthcare, education, sports, transportation, hospitality, and a ton of other commercial buildings where heavy foot traffic and hygiene tends to be the top priorities. Uh, second uh, category that we talk about is LBTSPC, which means luxury vinyl tile. Now, this category of flooring is intended to replicate a four wood or a four stone, and it's typically used in more decorative kind of stories. So, it happens in office segments, in retail, in hospitality, in, uh, you know, those kind of commercial applications. As well, given the value in terms of the performance vis-a-vis price and in terms of the decor and look and feel, there is large residential applications for LVT and SPC as well. If you look at it from a global perspective, there's large residential applications. Now, in terms of the revenue mix, uh, responsive revenue mix right now is about 50% exports, 50% domestic. And I would say about 95% of the sales right now is towards vinyl flooring, about 5% LBTSPC, because this is relatively something which we started uh, doing in a big way only in 2019. Uh, In terms of, uh, you know, where the key, you know, who our key customers are, are typically on more on the B2B side because we enjoy a lot of institutional relationships. So, for example, on the transport sector, our relationships are strong with people like Tata, Marco Polo, Aisha on the bus manufacturing, or it is Indian railways on the intercity movement of trains and things like that. Like, for example, 95% of railways, the flooring is uh, flawed by responsive. 80% of all bus manufacturers in India use responsive. Um, Institutional clients also extend to the healthcare sector. So, when you talk about a polo, fortis, walk hard. Or for that matter, government institutions like PWD, CPWD, all of them carry large specifications for homogeneous sheet vinyl and, uh, you know, responses the preferred vendor because we are the only indigenous producer of the same. Uh, other institutional uh, relationships tend to be like school systems, like Pozaar International Schools in Bombay is an exa- excellent example where we do a lot of work, uh, you know, and those kind of relationships, right? In addition to this, um, you know, where responsive is strong is the A&D Connects. So we have a lot of good connects with architects and designers, albeit at an institutional level again. So most people, uh, I'll give you a practical example, you know, people who are connected to the government side, for example. And there are 20 panel architects for, say, ESIC. We have a relationship with all 20 architects, and then it doesn't extend back only to ESIC building. It extends to every project that they have under the Gambit webinar building is applicable. So, we've got a pretty wide um, reach as far as that is concerned. Um, in terms of the uh, B2B versus B2C, um, I would say that most of the sales today is B2B. B2C is in our nascent stages, and we just got started in 2019. And B2C is all to do with the applicability of LBT LBTSPC on the residential segment.
1: Uh, just to clarify
0: what I mean by SPC, is stone plastic composite. It's a rigid vinyl tile with an interlocking system or a click system profiled along the edges in such a way that there is no uh, adhesive required at the time of installation, so the tiles just lock into place. And it's a 100% waterproof floor, which requires only soap and water cleaning. So, SPC is pretty revolutionary in its, uh, you know, uh, cleaning ability and in its, um, uh, what do you call it, in its installation kind of ability. So, B2C for us is a very important play. Uh, you know, it's just something we have started in 2019, so it's probably less than 5% of the revenue mix right now. But this is something which we expect to grow in a pretty significant way in the coming uh, years. That's, that's, that's interesting. Uh, now, how should we look at the company uh, specifically post-COVID given hygiene is something which is, which will be on top of uh, uh, everyone's mind? So before we jump into long-term trends, uh, if one had to look at, uh, if I had to change the flooring uh, in a factory or in school from carpet office, I will think of LVD or probably terrace. Uh So how do you look at uh, the trends both locally as well as on uh, the export side? Uh, specifically for COVID. Okay. So it's very really interesting uh, What COVID has ended up doing is actually let me talk about it. There are three opportunities here. And I talk about three target segments. Healthcare, hospitality and commercial offices. Okay, so I'll just talk specifically those three so you get an idea what I mean. First is uh, healthcare. Healthcare what has happened is because of coronavirus, a lot of people have either realized that they've got lacking healthcare facilities or they've gone out to build emergency, uh, you know, sort of quarantine facilities or infectious disease areas or ICU units and those kind of things. Uh, we have about 2 to $3 billion worth of orders for healthcare-specific flooring right now as we speak, and everything is to do with the demand that came suddenly due to COVID. So now where are these orders from? The Middle East, all eight countries, Kuwait, Saudi, Oman, UAE, uh, Bahrain. Um, who am I missing? Uh, Jordan. All these countries are basically building urgent uh, COVID facilities. India is the closest port. We are operational. We are active, and we are able to service this within a week, within two weeks. And because timelines are so sensitive, and because we are a recognized healthcare player for a long time, we were able to receive these orders pretty quickly, and we're turning around as fast as we can. You know. With factories still only at 25%, 30% operational strength, you know, we are not able to best out the kind of capacities we have in place. But we are able to handle this order. Secondly, on the India side, uh, you know, there is about L&T. We've already specced for seven new hospitals, one Mumbai, one in Chennai, and five actually coming up in Assam. And the total quantum of this work is about 150,000 square meters. So that 1,50,000 square meters plus into 10 is about 11 to 12 lakh square feet, right? It's the kind of work only out of l Now, in addition to this, state governments are also upgrading the facilities. The new 1,000 uh, bed facility in MMRDA that's coming up in VKC, uh, you know, our flooring is already specified in the tender. We expect this demand to come through in the next 15, 20 days. So, this is the immediate demand that's come out because of the uh, people reacting to coronavirus. But, what is also going to be good for us, at least in the next year or two, is it's take its force every uh, government to take a hard look at its healthcare infrastructure. And mm-hmm. a lot of people are realizing that they are not ready for things like infectious diseases because you've had cases where Jaspok was shut down or you had cases where other private hospitals in Mumbai were shut down because you had one positive case and there wasn't the proper infrastructure to deal with infectious diseases, right? So this is another... Prospect for us on the healthcare side where we expect a lot of growth, especially because our homogeneous sheep final, we've got years of experience, millions of square meters flawed, and it is, you know, tied into hygiene with a, in a very, very dramatic way because of the antibacterial, antifungal treatment. So this is one of those big opportunities for us that's come out of COVID. The second one is that in hospitality. Hospitality, the de facto flaw for most uh, hotels, used to be carpets, right, so it's multitude of the lobbies, the rooms, the large parts of the area were all carpet. Now what's come out of the coronavirus situation is the whole lens on how bacteria or viruses survive on different surfaces. Now, carpet requires to be vacuumed, but it has a lot of issue with dust collection, it's not always easy to maintain and it's a dry kind of cleaning. So, well, we've been with SPC, LVP in the hospitality sector and even sheet vinyl for that matter is that it's soap and water cleaning and there are some antibacterial agents that we can introduce and the decors of wood and stone are up to what hospitality standards are. So, for example, you know, we've already done SPC work in uh, India with Taj, with Radisson, with Hyatt, with all these people but it's so far limited to things like coffee shops and you know, common areas and things. Now we expect to go into the rooms and the corridors, which is a large opportunity waiting to happen. Uh, one of the projects that we've done for hospitality in the U.S., I'm not going to name the hotel, but it's about 7 lakh square feet. It's a major hotel in Las Vegas. We won the SPC contract. And, uh, you know, was on the back of quality and design and decor, but really the story there is in terms of the opportunity, is there are large hotels with 0% occupancy, which are 20, 25 years old, which are all going under massive renovation and massive repairs, and all this uh, is happening now in this year because they expect travel demand to be tepid. But the hotels expect business to return in a year, year and a half. So they're going through this kind of uh, reconstruction right now. So the, the hospitality and hotels is a major opportunity coming up. The third one is the commercial offices. Again, carpet tiles has been the has been the 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 main uh, sort of go-to product for office spaces. And carpet tiles, while they give some kind of acoustic performance, have a major problem with maintenance as well. So it goes back to the same story with LVT SPC that you have the nice-looking decor, soap and water cleaning, and hygiene is definitely elevated. So, you know, immediately post-corona, we're going to see a lot of interest with LVT SPC at the expense of a lot of carpet that was uh, traditionally used. Uh, However, if one looks at the economics, right? Uh, so as an individual, uh, you did indicate that we are looking at uh, residential segment also on B2C side. Uh, So if one had to understand the economics for LVT versus styles, uh, taking into account the cost of the product, uh, labor cost, and the time element, uh, can you put these three elements together specifically on a residential side uh, as well as a commercial side? Uh, so that we can actually make a case for LVT as a product offering. And uh, this is something which is quite sensitive to the Indian market and the customers uh, that are quite conscious on the quality side uh, as well as on the cost side. So, great question, Ritesh. So, this is a constant battle for us. So, when we are talking about quality parameters on LVT, so, first of all, you know, I want to draw a distinction here. There are two kinds of products which are available in the market. One is what we call luxury vinyl tile, which tends to be a flexible two millimeter, three millimeter kind of product which requires adhesive to adhere to the floor. And second is the SPC, which is the interlocking click system kind of product, which is a floating floor and it doesn't require any kind of adhesive. So the comparison that I want to bring to mind is on the adhesive on the SPC side, right? Because that's where the economics actually start becoming very, very, very interesting quickly. So when we are talking about the cost of tile, right, you know, cost of tile in India is anywhere between 60 to 80 rupees a square foot can go as high as 200 rupees a square foot depending on the quality. And SPC more or less resides in the similar kind of gain. You know, we are talking about 60 to 80 rupees a square foot going as high as 200 for really the high quality, high decor kind of SPC. Now, in terms of the labor cost and the time element is where the major change comes. When you are looking at things like vitrified tiles or ceramic tiles, it requires an installer or a layer to go into a site. Use white cement to level what is effectively an IPS. IPS is Indian People's Stone, which is a construction standard followed only in India, which is what is effectively a uh, unfinished floor, like a kacha floor, you know, and they depend on these layers to come in with white cement. And level the floor as they go about installing the white, they go about installing the vitrified tile and ceramic tile. That's the reason in India actually flooring comes into the civil items and not in the interior finished items. But India is unique in that. It's, it's only in India where this is the case. Because you know, they will finish the floor, then cover it with something else, then do the entire contracting and then come out, uncover the floor and polish it in the end. But that's actually a very, um uniquely Indian way of doing things and often not correct. Uh, what happens in the case of uh, SPC where it starts making a lot of sense? As long as the floor is relatively flat, it means that the contractors at the initial level have flattened the floor. Whether they do it with white cement, IPS, or screed is irrelevant. Whatever makes sense to the principal contractor. SPC is an interlocked floor, which means that you can just go in, click it together as a puzzle, and go edge to edge. So, a team of four installers can install about 5,000 square feet in one day. So, as far as commercial interiors is going, if you have quick turnarounds in offices, retail spaces, bars, restaurants, even any kind of uh, large projects, this kind of quick installation allows the floor to be installed as almost the last interior item after all the other contracting work is done, and therefore the floor, the floor is you know, it's preserved for the long term and there's no damages during the contracting phase. So, there's a lot of value in uh, using SPC from that standpoint. In terms of, uh, you know, just the, the residential segment is, is, is huge because on the residential side, you know, there are two kinds of demand that come up. One is the replacement demand and one is the new construction. Now, the new construction is typically going again towards builders building large buildings and they have a lot of the times the flaws is already done. Uh, in that case, what happens is for the builders giving four words, or in the living room, bedroom is a big selling point, right? As opposed to giving tiles, because it's one of those more luxury features that are coming in. And again, for builders, SPC makes sense because of the cost and time element. But when you're talking about residential demand on the replacement, is where we get really interesting. SPC can be installed on top of any old surface, old carpet, old tile, old stone, anything. Typically, in the U.S., for example, one of my my distributors does this as a standard practice. He offers families a dinner and a movie on the house and offers to replace or, in fact, put on top of the old floor a new SPC in less than four hours. So, you know, 2,000 feet, 4,000 feet, 8,000 feet can be done in less than four hours because of this replacement story. So similar thing applies in India. Can you imagine a family goes out for four hours, five hours, they come home, their entire floor is updated with a 100% waterproof material with a 20-year warranty. There's a lot of value in that. And without any kind of dust, dirt or displacement of the family because a lot of times people own one home or rent one home if they want to upgrade it, they don't have anywhere else to go. So that's where SPC wins hands down in terms of the Overall value proposition vis-à-vis ceramic tiles or vitrified tiles or any of the old kind of uh All right, Right. Uh, that's, that's interesting. Uh, for LVT, you did indicate 60 to 200 rupees per Uh Was that uh, uh, variable, correct? That is variable. So it all depends on the specs, the quality. So, you know, you, it, it's like that, right? I mean, in the flowing business, uh, you can really uh, have large variations in price. Depends on what it is, right? Yes. How much would it be in the same range for the SPC product offering? So, the LBP-SPC, LBP, we LBP use it interchangeably. So, okay. it, I would say LBP-SPC is, LBP is between 60 to 200, effectively. Okay. Right. Uh, but if I look at so something like that, is, uh, if I look at... Uh, Say on a per square feet bigger styles, they effectively do start from even 30 35 rupees per square feet to LVT, SBC, wherein we start at 60 rupees. Correct. Uh, India is quite a cost conscious mm-hmm. market, and uh, there is an the element of labor as well. So, if one has to look at the total cost, the uh, 30 rupees versus 60 rupees on the product cost, uh, how much will be the labor cost actually that one can save uh, over here, and how about the durability aspect? Uh, do we give certain warranty, guarantee on the products that we have? I think that is something which will uh, matter more to most of the Indians, be it on the commercial or on the residential side. So, let me answer the warranty part. We give 20-year residential warranties, 10-year commercial warranties on any heavy foot traffic areas. So, we warrant the product against any kind of loss of color, any kind of uh, visual defects, and any kind of... Uh, uh, you know, aspects where the floor is, uh, you know, sort of deteriorating over time more so than what is described, right? The second thing is in terms of the labor cost. Look, it costs about 8 to 10 rupees a square foot in terms of labor to install an LVT SPC, which is virtually nothing because they don't need any fixing materials. We compare that to and uh, vitrified tile. I mean, this is cement work itself will cost 25 rupees a square foot. Labor will take at least 15, 20 rupees a square foot. But typically, what ends up happening is this: this this cost is masked into the construction cost, and it's masked inside the civil cost. So that's the reason it doesn't get highlighted. But if you're looking at it from a family's perspective, who needs to replot 3,000 square foot of their own home or 2,000 square foot of their own home, then they need to pay for all these expenses. So if you do that cost comparison, S B C comes up, uh, you know. Cheaper overall, right? And again, it depends which quality SPC you buy. But if you do apples to apples, lowest to lowest, SPC will be still cheaper than doing the entire labor contracting. And if you start valuing time into the place, replacing 2,000 square foot of uh, vitrified tile in the home may take up to a month, but doing this with SPC takes about six hours, right? So that's the you know running in six four hours, right? So that value is is enormous from that perspective. That's that's uh, quite interesting, and you made a very interesting point, specifically on flooring. Uh, under the Indian concept, it's still under several. It is still not under home improvement. I think uh, that's that's a very very important point. Uh, incrementally, uh, how do you see uh, uh, the other product offerings in the market uh, as compared to PC lbg uh, from a competitive intensity uh, point of view, I think Wellspun had some recent offerings
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: on the both side as well. Any specific character on how uh, LBT SPC is positioned against uh, their product offering or is it more or less the same? How should one look at it? So, actually, you really did well by mentioning Wellspun. So, Wellspun, just if we can analyze for 30 seconds, Wellspun actually comes from a background of manufacturing yarn. So they used to manu- or they still do, they manufacture something called BCG, which is a critical raw material input for large parts of the carpet industry, right So they, su- they supply to a lot of carpet manufacturers in the country, especially in the north, uh, you know who do all these different uh, handmade carpets, non woven carpets, all those kind of things. And what uh, Belsmann decided to do uh, recently is forward integrate and uh, actually build a carpet factory for themselves. Now, when they built the carpet factory, carpets has two main application areas, right, hospitality and office segment. This is the main uh, application areas for uh, carpets. And then if you look at that B2C kind of segment where you have those home rollout carpets and things like that, right, these are the three segments. Now, when Wells yeah. Fund built the carpet factory, they were looking to forward integrate from their raw materials to a finished product which they understood. But when the sales team started doing wider market analysis, they understood the point that LBT SPC is a hugely disruptive force, and carpets may actually tend to start getting um, you know uh, relegated pretty soon. So you know they're a clever company, you know, so they decided to get into the LBT SPC business. If you can't beat them, join them, kind of story, right? So they started to get into the LBT SPC story. Actually, not in LBT so much. They don't have any dryback offering, only SPC. Now, Best was a new entrant in this business. I mean, Responsive has got 30 plus years of manufacturing experience on the Nile. And polymer processing and carpet processing are entirely two different uh, ballgames, right? So, you know, what it does for us actually is that we welcome this kind of competition, right? What happens is that if responses alone in the market as a branded player going out and talking to every A&D that SPC is this wonderful new product that's set to replace laminates and woods and tile and everything and you must concentrate and use this. Um, you know, the the gestation period or the time to incorporate this goes a little bit longer. But if you have a brand like Valspan going out there and making that argument in the same way, It's not actually a bad thing because it expands the market category overall, right? So, the architects then start becoming more malleable to using the product, and then it starts to become a questioning of whether I use responsive or well fund, where we think that we can win on merit every single time, right? So, that's the kind of, uh, you know, feedback I would give on this. In terms of imports, you know, look, you know, there's a lot of Chinese manufacturers here, right? There's Chinese and there's some Korean. Importers are more opportunistic, right? They'll bring in a couple of containers. There'll be somebody in a Bangalore or somebody in a Delhi. They'll bring in a couple of containers. And they'll try to sell it in the market at certain margin. So, importers, um, you know, yes, they are competition, but they tend to be more localized, more specifically on certain projects. They seem to have, like, some key relationship with a certain A&D, and they can move some small square footage. So I wouldn't put too much stock into the importers, yeah. but, you know, homegrown manufacturers like Punk start becoming more competition as time goes on. But like I said, you know, they expand the category, therefore it's more no welcome, actually. That's, that's interesting. I'm to touch upon the global opportunity. Uh, you did indicate we are amongst uh, the top five globally. Uh, and LVT, to based on my check, is one of the fastest growing categories in US uh, when it comes to flooring uh, on the overall pie. Uh, how do you make uh, exports as an opportunity and what is the specific mode that uh, responsive does enjoy as compared to its peer set, uh, catering to global markets? So this is a great point that you may See, the nice flooring, model, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of numbers, right? LVT is about a 25 to $28 billion global opportunity, depending which research report you read. 40% of the global demand is centered in the U.S., of which I would say it's split about 50-50, at 50 residential 50 commercial within the United States. Now, most of the supply chain for LVT, SBC in the U.S., points back towards China, where 90-95% of that global supply chain is going in from China to the U.S., and they capture large parts of the opportunity. Now, companies like me, the way we fit into the global supply chain is this way. Commercial sheet miners, which is homogeneous uh, sports flooring, safety flooring, all of these, is a much harder product to produce from a technical standpoint. And we've been in this business almost 30 years. So, responsive brand reputation and brand image at a global level is well recognized. So, the way we stack up is against companies like Armstrong, which is a 150-year history in the U.S., Polyfloor, uh, again, many years for both, target. you know, these are the, and floor sure, I mean, I would say these are the top five games in the sheet vinyl category, and Responsive is right up there among them. And we compete with them, actually, for most projects everywhere in the world, right? So Responsive is one of those manufacturers who's up there quite a lot. Now, in terms of what's happening from a global opportunity standpoint is that you know, if you talk about the residential segment to start with, it is uh, done mostly through DIY, right? Do-it-yourself kind of chain stores. People like Home Depot, Lowe's, Minaj, store and decor in the U.S., or you've got, uh, you know, the DI European DIY chains like Vico and those kind of guys, right? Now, in terms of the response to this, is that there is a large push in the last month or so for non-China alternatives. I wouldn't say that it's an anti-China push, but what I would rather say is that, you know, global supply chains are looking to diversify their dependence on a single country. And given responses, manufacturing ability, our reputation, and our overall experience in the night flooring, we're getting the look very quickly with all of these guys. So, as we speak, we are engaging with a lot of the top DIY guys who I named on the call. And it's large opportunities waiting to happen. You know, everything's a little slow because of the shutdown, but, uh, we expect the next six months to sort itself out, and 2021 is looking as like a good year. Right, so if you talk about Jan 2021 onwards, I'm putting into some robust DIY kind of uh, solutions. On the second part of it, on the commercial side of the business, a lot of the work is done through commercial distributors and commercial dealers, and all of them understand right now that too much exposure to China the a bad And very frankly, responsive got a great reputation in the commercial business because of our B2B kind of. Uh, uh, you know, outreach which I explained at the top of the call. So, a lot of these commercial distributors are approaching to us for stock programs and things like that, you know. So, the U.S. is a significant, significant opportunity, but I wouldn't limit it only to the U.S. because it's the largest consumer single country. Uh, you know, we all focus there, but this same opportunities are manifesting itself through our entire distribution network, right? Like, you know, even places like South Africa or even places like uh, – uh, Singapore for that matter, or Australia, you know, all of them are starting to look for non-China alternatives and, you know, responses means coming up on the data as the principal go-to company. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, is there any element of tariffs uh, which are being imposed uh, under China or investigations uh, on duties which are ongoing, uh, wherein there can be a potential backlash against China and it can actually speed up things uh, for us when it comes to uh, exports? It's already happened, actually. So, it's already happened. So, China is already facing a uh, 15 plus 25 percent duty on all vinyl flowing, and LBT. The only category where they are 15 plus 5 is on SPC. And the reason for that is because, uh, you know, there were some uh, uh, U.S. majors who had supply chain to China who went back to the government and got that tariff suspended. But uh, even those global majors, from what it sounds like, are... Uh, pretty much resigned to the fact that those tariffs are going to happen again and they're looking for alternatives where we put up our hands. So we are in discussion with some of them to really start some of our programs on this side of the the coin. India's tariffs into the U.S. is uh, used to be 0% under the GSP before the government did it last. But even now, it's only 5.3%. So there is a strong differential in just terms of the custom duties. But more so than that, you know, where we will win, you know, is not going to be on tariff potentials. Where we are going to win in this entire business is because of the reliability of responsive as an exporter, our technical expertise, our capacities, and our ability to deal with such large clients on the export side. We've got a long experience with this, and we are confident that once the customer comes to us, we'll be able to build robust programs which last over the years, right? So then, even if the tariffs change and deltas in pricing emerge from different uh, global supply chain. Given the positivity of the experience will retain the customers over a long term, right? So right now the conditions are such that we are able to onboard and attract the customers, but we expect to keep the relationships on a long term basis. That's interesting. Uh, in the opening remarks, you did indicate that B2B is near 95% of our sales. Right. Uh, one has to look at margins and working capital for B2B and B2C. Uh, how do you uh, put this variable, like say for B2B and B2C? Uh, working capital and markets. So, let me put it in uh, perspective, right? B2B tends to be large contracts and B2C tend to be small sales, right? Now, as far as B2B is concerned, we don't need a very large marketing or sales expense simply because we've got the relationships already and our team is able to take the, the product lines to customers we pay, you know, have relationships with them. We are getting ourselves specified uh, pretty quickly on the B2B side. Um, it's competitive on price, so the margins, you know, look as, as for that. So I would say B2B margins look anywhere between, uh, if you're looking at it from, a, you know, gross level about 35% right. Now in the B2C side, you know, there is, um, it's a, you know, it's an interesting way to go to market. Right, We have to use all the tiers. Uh, we're talking about retail presence, we're talking about design showrooms, we're talking about the digital presence, as well as some kind of promotional and marketing activities. Now for responsive, this is relatively new and this is something getting our hands dirty with. So the way we are going is we are going organically, we are going a little bit slow. So what we are doing is starting with some design centers in Bangalore, Bombay, Delhi, uh, where we can attract customers in, get them to see. But the idea there is not to open uh, retail showrooms, but rather to open design centers where we actually cater the experience towards A and D, because the specification on flooring is what is going to drive sales at the end of the day. In addition to that, we want to explore a goco which is company owned company-operated stores, and a POCO franchise-owned franchise-operated stores model, which we are going to implement sometime in 2021, on the back of some success on design centers. And what we are doing to attract that B2C customer is going out into the different design forums, the different home improvement forums, and putting the word out there for basically the category. Right? We are talking about SPC more than responses. And we are trying to sort of point customers towards what is possible, what are the ways to think about it. I mean, one of the great success stories in India is D-Decor, right? D-Decor is uh, build a brand around home improvement, whether it is rugs or blinds or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, they've been able to take a space which was relatively not well branded, become a consolidator, aggregator, and brand it themselves extremely well, right? So this is a success story that we understand, uh, you know, we can create with the SPC category around, uh, you know, around the residential. So, in terms of the working capital, I would say that, um, you know, on this uh, residential side, is something we're looking to sort of do from internal approvals. So, we don't expect the working capital cycles to go up too much because it's going to be something which is sort of cash and carry kind of here because there's no, uh, you know, sort of credit given down that sector, even to the distribution or even down to the dealer level. Yet, the institutional, uh, you know, carries a 30 to 60-day kind of credit that we need to give to institutional customers. And as far as exports is concerned, you know, if you look at my working capital requirements, it's going to narrow as we go forward, because, our, you know, our LBT SPC exports is going to go up more and more, and there are narrower sectors as far as that's concerned. You know, previously our exports was more centered on healthcare or transport or sports. Where the gestation period on large uh, building contracts was, uh, you know, you're doing through commercial distributors. Gestation periods are longer before the the buildings are made. Therefore, the the credit cycles were longer. So, going forward, we actually expect the working capital to to contract rather. You know, that's that's quite interesting. Uh, to to financials, uh, broadly, what is your philosophy? Is it like using top line growth or, uh, be very cautious on return ratios and working capital? Uh, so if one had to, uh, understand your philosophy to operate the company with a 3x5 year view, uh, how would that, how would you put, uh, the priority order when it comes to financial, uh, variables? So, this is a great question, Ditesh, and it's a trick question, right? So, <laughs> you know, most companies are going to grapple with this uh, on, uh, you know, on a strategic level often. My philosophy is quite clear that we need to generate value in what we do. Uh, you know, different companies different generate value differently. Right? People sometimes generate value through service, sometimes through quality, sometimes through the brand. As a manufacturing business, we have been very good in the past to generate great product, but we didn't do very much justice to ourselves to sell it at a large margin because we put too much pressure on top-line sales, right? So we built up too much pressure on top-line sales that required us to build a vast distribution network. They understood our pressure and we were, were able to transfer the value to themselves and leave us with the scraps, even though we are the, the principals in the whole story, right? I mean, we've experienced that in the past. What we are doing now going forward is making sure that we capture the value chain therefore we capture the customer so one of the fundamental things that we have changed as a company is that we are building a relationship directly with the customers and therefore expanding our margins on that high va- you know that high value kind of segment right so the focus is more on the growth uh, sorry the focus is more on the margin profile and we've been successful in the last two years to actually transform the company from more of a you know Top line oriented to more of a margin oriented company, and the results are there in the financials for everybody to see. Now that we've corrected our product, makes our margin profile. Now the focus is again on growth, but we don't want to go for exponential growth. We want to go for calibrated growth, which means that we want to add good customers, add good relationships. And look at it from that perspective. Look, in terms of India, we expect to maintain our margin profile grow at about 25-30%. And look, some of these metrics I'm giving you are pre-corona. You know, according to me, we will end up seeing the growth anyway because of the reasons highlighted at the top of the call. So, I would say 25-30% growth on top line for years, what we are expecting from India standalone, you know, this is going to be a combination from, you know the more B two C expansion, you know expansion of institutional customers, and we're also you know expanding our exports from India. Right, just our contract sheet final, like for example healthcare materials, right. So we we've got all these potential opportunities which we're going to expand only the India standalone kind of story, right, in terms of the top line growth, keeping the margin profile in 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 consideration, and very frankly, we've got a big. SPC export today with the new factory that we're looking to build out. Um, It's going to be a brand new SPC factory with capacities close to about, uh, you know, 6 to 8 million square meters, 60 to 80 million square feet. And, um, you know, big play there is to service that tremendous U.S. demand that we see coming to us, right? So, that's another sort of way forward for us. So, overall, if you talk to me in terms of philosophy, we have transformed ourselves from top-line to more of uh, margin-oriented, and, you know, very frankly, we are zero-debt today, which means that, you know, the, the pressure on the company for cash cycle is less than what it was even five years ago. So, we have been very calibrated in our, uh, in our uh, approach, and, and the idea there is good customers, good profile, and a good story around our products, which will eventually translate into a valuable brand. Uh, that's the central You did indicate uh, in the prior question as well, focusing on products which have uh, narrower working capital cycle. Uh, are there any legacy businesses which have uh, elongated working capital? And uh, how do you see, basically, would you want to taper those businesses down over the longer term, say, three years, five years, uh, and which essentially will help on your working capital as well as the return ratio? So, I tell you, the legacy business was actually, the legacy business which we wound down, was a low-margin vinyl flooring, which was actually a cash-and-carry kind of business, but the margin profiles on that was anything between 1 to 4%, right? So it was narrow margins, but large cash-and-carry and large turnover, right? That business is a part of it which we burned out. Now, when we take that cash cycle out of the revenue spectrum, it exposes the part of the business which was generating higher margins but had gotten longer working capital. So... That's the reason you see that on the balance sheet that the working capitalists are more or less similar, even though the top line has come down, because you know it, it 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 you know, that same part of that business which we used to do before used to attract the working capital, which continues even today. Now, the way to reduce the working capital is actually to just make that product mix a little bit more diverse. So we are going to be ramping up SBC, L B T exports, which is going to actually it's more of a cash and carry and LC back model which is going to help us shorten the working capital and also on the healthcare business and the transport business. Now, the relationships are such with customers where we can also start demanding LC payments and payments in a shorter cycle and things like that. So, the answer is twofold, right? From the legacy business, we are able to, because of our reputation and relationship, shorten the cycle organically. And the second part of it is that because of the new product mix being introduced, we will uh, the diversity of the product mix will overall shorten the working capital on the export side. As far as India is concerned, um, you know, we don't have too large, you know, the institutional customers, 30 to 60 days, people like Tata and uh, Godrej Interior, and, uh, you know, Indian Railways are customers where we have these studies So grade A companies where we expect payments to come through. And um, most of the other businesses crash and carry, right? So, working capital for us is something we expect to narrow next 6-9 months pretty comfortably actually. I mean, we are on track for that. That's, that's engaging. Uh, just mm-hmm. last question before we have a couple of uh, questions uh, from uh, investors. Uh, you did indicate a potential new capacity of 6-8 to 8 million per feet. Uh, mm-hmm. Would it be possible for you to highlight what is the current capacity utilization level? And importantly, what can be a full blown out uh, revenue scenario with a margin profile, say, uh, three years forward or five years forward outlook, as you would like to put it? Okay, so let me first explain the capacity that we have in India. In India, broadly speaking, we've got about 25 to 30 million square meters. i that was speak in square meters if that's comfortable to everybody, and you can translate back down to square feet later, right? So 25 to 30 million square meters is my capacity out of India right now. But of this capacity, I would say that about 90% of this capacity is towards contract sheet minor. So, again, contract sheet minor is healthcare, sports, transport, anti-static, conductive, all those different categories I spoke about. And 10% of this capacity is for LVT and SBC. Now, if you do the broad-based math, that leaves me with only 2 to 3 million square meters of LVT SBC capacity. Now, given that fact that this is nascent business and we just started out, you know, it's enough to service whatever my export demand is and whatever my local demand is. But this strategy is set to explode. So, I'm going to be sh- falling short of my LBT spc capacity specifically in India very quickly. You know, we expect to fall short in 2020 itself. Or maybe actually, given the three-month disruption, maybe not more in just 2020, but, um, you know, three two-three months into 2021. Now when we're talking about the gestation period of building a factory, it's about one year from now, right? And at 6 to 8 million square meters is something that we need to build looking at the export potential of SPC, LVP in place. Now, I'll just give you a small sense of what it looks like. You know, like an anchor client, like a Home Depot or a Lowe's, their buying program is only about 2 million square meters a year. Just one customer's buying program is about 2 million square meters a year, right? So, you can understand by India's capacity doesn't allow any of these anchor customers to just come on board because if they're tying up 80-85% of your LBT spc capacity, they themselves are not comfortable, and we are not comfortable because then it, it's too much dependence on a single customer, right? Like, that's where the problem ends up happening. So, that LBT spc capacity we're looking to build up is important. Now, the remaining 90% capacity, about that 27 million per meters odd off-sheet vinyl, is where we really need to concentrate on growth And this is where I'm telling you a lot of strides have been made on the institutional side, on the distribution side in India, and also in the export side in India. And this has been the traditional place where some working capital has been kind of involved. But again, with the reputation that we've established for ourselves over the last, you know, years, few years, and the relationships we have, we expect the growth to come on sales and shorten cycles, but retain margins, right? So we're talking about best case on all three sides. So this is where the real challenge is from the India unit perspective. So... Capacity utilization in India is about thirty five percent on contract sheet vinyl, right? But it is as high as about fifty percent on LVT, LVC. but that's also because it's nascent, but we expect that LVT, LVC capacity to be filled up quite quickly. So that's explaining the capacity overall. Now in terms of the um, the capex that what I'm talking about is you know, sixty eight million square meters. We're talking about uh, you know, And we're talking at least uh thirty-five percent growth level, twenty five percent at the other level. And we are expecting the payback on this pretty quickly, it's a two to three year payback because we expect the the demand to actually uh, you know go to you know, to, to take off dramatically. And frankly, to get one of these anchor clients right now is not it's not the challenge. The challenge is the capacity. Because these anchor clients are all looking to disrupt their original value chains because they point all towards China. So they're looking for a hedge anyway. I'm not saying we may get 100% of the business, but even if we get 30% of the business, that's big for us. Right, so something like this is uh, more or less the the idea here. Uh, isn't contractual capacity fungible to Elvits? Is that a possibility for so So, no. So, so I'll explain. So, that 10% that I'm talking about in India is what we built from our capacity that we did in 2010. So, we did a capex in 2010. Where we did a hundred and ten million dollar capex, about eighty-five was an ECB, twenty-five was uh, internal accruals, and we had built mostly contract sheet minor capacity. In twenty eighteen, what we did is we tinkered with some of the lines and we uh, created LVT spc capacity in twenty eighteen-2019. So that wasn't a capex, but that was an you know, that was just uh, uh, repurposing the lines to produce a new product. Now why it got the job done and why they're able to produce high-quality product out from doing this, it's not the most efficient way to produce it. I mean in terms of the cost, it's not the most efficient. However, what it allowed us to do was deploy capacity, allow us to get our hands dirty, create a category, start, you know, selling it. So, we've got already like a one meter plus sold of SCT, LVT. So, we've already started selling it. So, we've got a very good idea now of... Um, uh, you know, of the products, of the value chain, of the customers, what they are, all those kind of things. So, it's already come time for us to build that new capacity for SPC, LBT okay. and the reason we want, don't want to adapt more of the contract sheet miners' uh, capacity is because there is efficient ways to produce it, far more efficient ways to produce it, and if we are going to scale production in a big way, we need to use those efficient ways and not try to tinker with open, uh, open capacity that we have right now.
1: So I just wanted to have more on the STC, LVT um, versus other conventional flooring as, mm-hmm. as it, it is looked uh, as the next destructive flooring trend, right? So, uh, do you think uh, in India educating customers and architects, etc., is required? And if that is the case, then uh, what is industry as a whole and, of course, uh, you as a player in that doing?
0: Very good question. So. Traditionally, when you look at flooring options in India, right, people think about laminate flooring, hardwood flooring, uh, engineered wood, carpet, carpet tiles, vitrified tiles, ceramic tiles, stone, granite, marble. Right, these are traditionally things that come to mind, and mind you, we've got large uh, industry for this already in place in India. Now. The reason the architects are looking at LVT and SPC more and more is because of the growing global trends, right? So, architects and interior designers are exposed globally, and they, they like to bring some of these global trends to India, and that's where the forefront is. To answer your question, A&D in India is very clear, right? You've got the institutional clients in uh, Tier 1 city who actually institutional A&D in Tier 1 cities who have a seriously world view and for them to introduce these concepts is actually not that difficult because they are already ready to move to the next thing. Then you've got the large slot of what I would call residential architects and like small project kind of architects where the real education is required, right? And the third one is, you know, when you move it out to the tier two, three, four cities and, you know, mimic both these kind of categories. So, there is a huge potential and opportunity to, to, to educate the architects and interior designers on this. And, you know, given the kind of uh, value that we expect to create, it's a huge category waiting to happen. So if you ask today, you know, if you go to an architect in, say, Nagpur and say, ki laminate storing Lagana X, they'll get it, right? Like it's available there right now. You tell an yeah. SPC Lagana he may not, he may or may not know, right, what we are talking about. And yeah. that's where the challenges and the opportunity is, right, on, on both sides. Mm Hmm. Mm -hmm. Correct.
1: Uh, So, um, so on on that, uh, so what what kind of pushback do you generally get on FTC LTT from uh, what's the conventional store from the market?
0: Actually, you know, what ends up happening is when we go in as manufacturers and we talk about our profile and we talk about the applications and we talk about the different places you can use it, you know, first thing that's asked is, you know, what are your project references? Now, thankfully, in India, we've built up quite a great, uh, you know, case, quite a few good case studies, a lot around institutional, but around commercial interiors as well. So, now we're able to present these case studies to A&D, which gives them a lot of comfort. And the second thing is that they hear it out oh. from the sponsors, and they say, Ki, achara, hai hai. You know, that's the point I made about Wellspun, and the fact that we welcome another major brand into this business, because they okay, you can't win every square foot there is. But what it does is when people go out there and talk, and now for example, right, ceramic tiles. There is Kajaria, there is Sumani, that is well known in the market, even architects understand those are two big brands in the market, am I right? But what matters is that they are talking about the same thing, right, use ceramic tile, use vitrified tile, these are the advantages, these are the opportunities, these are the colors, these are the designs, right, so they are talking about these things. So architects step into that, now whether they use Kajaria or Sumani ends up coming down to, uh, you know, personal choices, right? So that's the way I think about SPC. It needs, uh, you know, category enlargement. It needs more people talking about it. It needs us to, uh, you know, go out with the A and B in a much bigger way. And that B 2 C play that we are talking about is very much tied into the A and B community, right? So instead of trying to attract that housewife to upgrade the floor, we need the residential architect who talks to the housewife to tell her to upgrade the floor using SPC, right? Do you understand the difference in conversation what I'm saying? Right. So that's where the strategic intent of the company is. So for example, how Ferricol went after its carpenters. How Ferricol went to the carpenters and explained to them at every level in India that Ferricol is the, the key adhesive to use. Even though Ferricol as a product is pretty replaceable but the brand is not. The same idea is what we are doing around SPC in India is we go down to the A&D at every level and equate SPC to responsive and have those A&D guys go out to those because, you know, think about the opportunity, right? Like for a residential architect to upgrade somebody's floor is is not different. You know, especially in refurbishment opportunities, right? Upgrading the floor is a big pain point. If we give them a good solution, this is something which can be a robust market for them also, you know? Hmm. All right
1: it. So, um, so, in that case, if, if, for example, if someone has to understand a case study in terms of a country, Who has uh, has done good in STT and VT, for example, the uh, US? Um, Then, what kind of market structure is there in the US? Like, for example, market share versus the conventional flooring, and how has it changed in the last 10 years?
0: Great question. So, in the US, of all flooring surfaces sold, vinyl is 25%, right? And growing, by the way. And actually, this metric is true for all. Uh, sort of uh, globalized economies. Right? Like you look at a Sweden or a Norway or a France or a UK or a Singapore or an Australia. Like you know, you, you widely look at any of these developed economies. 25% is vinyl as a category. Now this is growing. Now within the vinyl category, also in the US specifically, 50% is on the residential side, 50% is on the commercial side. Now, off the residential side, a large part of the residential is through these DIY stores, what we were talking about, right? Your home Decor, your lows, or your minards, or your floor and decor, and all these guys. And I would say there's some part of it through independent retailers and things like that, right? But uh, if you're uh, talking in terms of, uh, you know, in India, we are less than 1% of consumption is vinyl flooring overall. Forget LBTS, PCA. If I just put the whole category of vinyl flooring, it's probably less than 1% today. So, there's two ways to look at it, right? You can look at it from the fact that it's a small market shop, but it's also in its nascent stages. And given the whole hygiene considerations going to come up in a big way, India is set to expand very quickly on the mineral flooring consumption, and we are here to service that demand, right? So, we are very bullish on India in the next few years, uh, you know, as a domestic market for uh, flooring. But um, you can see from the global trends for uh, developed economies that banana is becoming more and more of an important, and especially since we make products like SPT, right? I mean, you're talking about 5 millimeter, you're talking about 5 to 8 millimeter thick, with stone and wood decors, with embosses that feel and look like real wood, the aesthetic value is extremely high, uh, soap and water cleaning, which means it's, uh, you know, really simple to maintain, and also, you know, soap and water has proven to be the most effective way to kill coronavirus, for example, right? So, it obviously doesn't, uh, you know, relate only to one virus, but any kind of bacteria and virus on the floor, if you can clean with soap and water, you are doing very well to disinfect those surfaces and those areas, right? So, given all these arguments, you know, vinyl is set to only grow more and more in the developed countries, and I feel like in India also, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just waiting to happen, right? Sometimes you need large disruptions like coronavirus to make those fundamental mindset changes, and it happens pretty quickly in the construction industry.
1: Understood. So if I may just two more questions sir. Uh, just one was on, on the US market itself. So what would be the manufacturing versus imports in the US for, uh, vinyl category?
0: Uh, less than 1%, half percent, maybe, I don't know. Like there's nothing basically that's made in the US. I mean, you know, saying zero is a bad number it's probably less than half percent that's made in the US. Most of it is import based. And of the import based, 90% is bad, point, points to China right like now. It's a huge problem for the U.S. industry. I mean, really, like, um, you know, if, if let's put it this way, even if, like, 5% of that demand came to me, I don't have the capacity to take it to service it, you know?
1: Exactly. So, Harish, that was my next question, So, if, if that is the case, then how can India challenge that and, and what is required for that to happen? I mean... So, in order
0: to actually compete on the global supply chain with the U.S., you know, there's three things that need to happen, right? There needs to be efficiency of raw material, efficiency of conversion, and then efficiency of logistics as well, you know. I'll give you a small example, right? Like, from Shanghai to Long Beach, California is $800 for a container, just the freight, rate. And from, uh, you know, Navajiva, Mumbai to Long Beach, California is about $1,800. $1,000 on freight is just, you know, it, it makes an incidence of 10 to 15% on price. So anything that we run on the duty, we lost on the freight and logistics, right? I'm just taking a small example of things that India needs to do to improve its value chain and value proposition. So to me, it's all to do with infrastructure, cost of production, cost of conversion, all those kind of uh, aspects, right? And India is challenging because of that. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Rishabh. Uh, thank you.